0: So, people of God, since we finished the book of Ruth last week, uh, I propose that we begin this evening a short series on Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is our psalm of the month. And uh, it has occurred to me in the past that uh, when we uh, give focus to a particular psalm each month, uh, perhaps we shouldn't just focus on the tune Uh, although that is certainly well and good. But uh, we could and and maybe should give focus to the content of the psalm each month as well. The the actual words that we sing when we sing a particular psalm are obviously uh, important. So I am uh, not committed to maybe doing this every month. Uh, focusing on the psalm of the month, Um, but uh, I do think that perhaps this month it might be good for us to look at Psalm 22 tonight and over the next uh, two Lord's Days. And here's another matter for introduction. Uh, We are a psalm-singing church. Uh, That's pretty rare these days. Um, uh, In the current milieu of CCM, which stands for Christian Contemporary Music, which means that we are now several generations removed, so to speak, uh, from the past days of psalm singing. Uh, There were some 100 years in the somewhat recent history of the church when, when the church at least sang the psalms along with a collection of hymns as well. And there are some churches today, some of which we uh, see as our sister denominations, uh, that still use a Psalter hymnal. But otherwise, uh, not only have the Psalms been set aside, it would seem, in our day, uh, but the Psalms even longer than that. uh, We still sing them, and uh, I believe rightly so. Uh, even more, of course, uh, we not only sing the Psalms, but we sing only the Psalms. And I think it's uh, a terribly rich thing that, uh, that God in His Word has told us how He would have us to worship Him. We call that the regulative principle, that we are committed to asking God from His Word to tell us how To worship him. But not only does God tell us how to worship him, he even gives us songs that he would have us sing to him. Uh, It's a little bit like a a musician, let's say a a singer, uh, who is asked to sing for a couple's wedding. Uh, Does he say, uh, Thanks for the gig, and here's what I intend to sing? No, he he says, thank you for the honor of singing for your wedding. What do you want me to sing? And in somewhat of the same way, we we don't exchange recommendations and and take a vote. Instead, we we ask God and and we take into consideration that there is a, a book of songs for us to sing that are part of the very word of God. What this means is not only that we are out of date, uh, but we also have a real challenge before us. Because to sing the psalms and to sing them truly to God's praise with both mind and heart, which also means that we're singing the psalms to our full benefit. So for God's praise and for our blessing, we need... To understand the psalms. Some of the psalms are beautifully simple. But others of them are certainly more difficult. Uh, Have you ever been singing a psalm uh, when you suddenly stop to think, Wait, what? Uh, What does that mean? And, And the better question, I think, is, what does that mean these words that I'm singing, what, what, does, what do they mean coming from my lips? Why should I be singing these particular words to God? Well, I do think that's a, a good starting point for many Psalms, but certainly for Psalm 22, because the opening words are, are quite familiar. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the words, right, of our Lord on the cross. Both Matthew and Mark record that just before he died, uh, even as he gave up his spirit, Jesus exclaimed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, why do we sing these words? Maybe the question should be should we sing these words? if they belong so crucially, with such importance to the very experience of our Lord on the cross? Well, the answer is yes, we should sing them, uh, even as God himself has given us the psalms to sing. And as he has given us, Psalm 22 in particular, but the question remains how, in a way, how, should we sing these words? First of all, certainly as a a remembrance of our Lord's suffering for us, even his death on our behalf. Of course, it raises the question, are, are these words prophetic of what Jesus experienced, of even what he said upon the cross? Or does it work the other way uh, so that Jesus remembering psalm 22 and identifying with the suffering of David even as he hung on the cross uttered these words I I don't think we have to decide we we can say both psalm 22 is certainly definitely a a prophetic psalm prophesying that is foretelling the experience of Jesus on the cross and we see this more and more as the psalm goes on. But why shouldn't we, uh, uh, why shouldn't we conclude that Jesus was, was, was even thinking of Psalm 22, even quoting from this psalm as he uttered the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But another reason to sing this psalm, Psalm 22, is because all too often we feel forsaken by God. Things don't go as we planned. Even worse, the very thing we didn't plan for. Sometimes the, um, um, the suffering we couldn't have imagined comes our way. And, uh, and it feels like we have been forsaken. That's the thing about the Psalms is that they give us permission to express what we feel. but at the same time, we need to remember that our feelings are not necessarily reality. This is the mistake I'm guessing you are recognizing it already. This is the mistake of too many people in our day uh, um, uh, As any notion of God is dismissed in our culture, uh, whether it's a pagan or, or true, any notion of God is dismissed and it leaves each person to be sovereign unto him or herself. But the problem is not only the dishonor of the one true God, but the distress of the human soul. That comes about, the distress experienced when one's feelings become one's reality. If what I feel is what I am, then my only hope is the current ebb and flow of my emotions to my great distress indeed. So when we feel forsaken by God, are we really Things are not going as planned. Perhaps uh, even our worst nightmares have come to pass. Even things we didn't dream and wouldn't have imagined or ever thought possible have come to pass in our lives. And, and the point is not to belittle anyone's suffering, including my own. Really, that's not what I want to do here. But consider that when we feel forsaken by God, we are still seeing his light. We are still breathing his air. We are still standing firm upon the dry land that he made to appear. And, and maybe you recognize my reference through this Uh, to the six days of creation. God commanded, let there be light, and there was light. God commanded, let there be an expanse between the waters above and the waters below, and so there was air to breathe. God commanded, let dry land appear for man to live on and to rule over. And it was so. God commanded the creation of all kinds of creatures, both on the land and in the sea, for us to enjoy. Our, our children, I think, do a better job of this than we do. I always, um, um, always love it when the kids want to sing Psalm 104. So can we see it? We are not forsaken by God in the experience of suffering. His blessings still belong to us, Minus the one, two, or three or more blessings that he has painfully removed from us. But until God removes light, until God withholds air, until God takes the earth out from under our feet, until we are forsaken by every living creature, whether man or animal, we are not truly forsaken. And maybe you can recognize my reference here, my reference to Christ. Because what happened to him on the cross? The sun quit shining. Let there be light, said God, but no more light for Jesus on the cross. Let there be air to breathe, said God in essence, but no more air for Jesus as he hung Upon the cross. Let there be dry land, said Jesus, but no more land for Jesus, as the earth was indeed taken out from under his feet as he was lifted up upon the cross. And even as he was forsaken by every living creature, whether man or animal, and as he died upon the cross, he was truly forsaken by God. Jesus didn't just feel forsaken, he was forsaken. So, are we allowed to sing these words for ourselves? Well, yes, because King David wrote these words out of his own experience. And as we feel forsaken, we can sing these words. One of the problems of uh, so much modern worship songs is that it's all happy, happy, happy. But the Christian life is not all happy by any stretch of pretending. And when bad things happen, we are not called by God to wear a plastic smile and sing only happy songs. We are allowed to grieve, we are commanded to grieve. And in the Psalms, God even gives us the songs for us to sing in our grief. But the very same songs remind us that there is a reality beyond what we feel, beyond our suffering. And that reality is Christ and his suffering for us. That we might never suffer as he did because he suffered for us. I mentioned it before. Let's consider it now. We can, we can see the suffering of Christ in the words of David. Verse 6, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. It's hard to imagine what was happening in the life of David to evoke these words from him. His words provide such a clear depiction of Jesus on the cross that some scholars argue um, that Psalm 22 and other psalms like it are purely prophetic of Jesus. I I have some sympathy for that understanding, but I still think David was... uh, so sunk in his suffering that this is what he was feeling. And yet what he was feeling was still not the forsakenness that David's son Jesus would truly experience. Verse 18 is also a a clear reference to to Jesus. They divided uh, my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Again, whether David's or, or whatever David's experience was, uh, it was one that evoked from him words and a, and a lament that we see ultimately fulfilled in the experience of Jesus upon the cross, where he suffered and died for you and me as, as sinners. And yet, even as David's lament, presumably for himself and his own suffering, even as he manages by the Holy Spirit to prophesy the suffering of Jesus, yet David also prophesies the faith of Jesus, and the faith that you and I are called to have in the face of suffering. There is, throughout Psalm 22, a a kind of back and forth. In verses 1 through 2, it's, it's all lament. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Where are you, God? Was the question of David. Where are you in the midst of my suffering? but what follows is further evidence that this was what david was feeling it wasn't the full reality of his experience though his experience of suffering was driving him nigh unto despair the full reality was what david confessed starting in verses 3 or starting in verse 3 and continuing through verse 5 yet you are holy Enthroned on the praises of Israel, you, uh, in you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. We might even say, where, where, where does this come from? I mean, first he's, he's asking why God has forsaken him. Immediately next he is confessing the faithfulness of God. Yet you are holy, he exclaims. And I I think the point is to say, I'm, I'm desperate here, God. But I will not accuse you of sin. You are holy. Even more, you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Here David is saying, not only are you holy, but you are reigning and ruling as king. We are so easily tempted in our suffering uh, to think that God is, is helpless or he's not there at all. In, in fact, that's what despair really is. When, when consciously or unconsciously we, we cave to the suggestion of Satan that God is not there or that he is there, but he's helpless to do anything about it. But David confesses his faith in these words but you are enthroned. Even more, God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. In other words, here is David writing Psalm 22. Of course, he didn't number it as Psalm 22. That's our later numbering. But here is David writing Psalm 22, but he gives reference to everything written before him, everything that he has ever heard about God. Here's the, here's the history, says David. Everything that David has ever heard about God, here's the history by which he knows that God is king and that all power and dominion belong to him. In you, our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But it's not just past, it's present, too. Here's the, here's the point to remember that when, when you come to church, as you have tonight, I'm glad you're here, but as you come to church and, and as you sing the praises of God, you are, you are not only singing to God, you are singing to each other. And if you're having a, a, a good time of it in your life, then your voice is needed to sing of God's power and dominion so that others who perhaps are not having such a good time of it might hear you so that God will be enthroned on the praises of his people. So when you're not here, when your voice is missing, then God is not enthroned as he otherwise might be if you were here. And and what then is the importance of being in church? Certainly for the honor and praise of God. Let's start there. But certainly also for your own good, and yet also for the good of others who need you to be here. I need you to be here. We need each other to be here. Because God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. And what is true for David is true for us. That that we remember and, and we find reassurance of God's power and his dominion through the fellowship of God's people. This is what is happening as we gather to worship the God who remains king forever. And yet, back and forth... It's not one or the other. It's both and an honest lament for our suffering and the confession of our faith. Neither should be left out. So now in verse 6, it's back to lament. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. Again, we we see Christ in these words. As we know that, that at the foot of the cross, they They said these exact words as follows. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Twice, as far as we have it recorded, uh, twice in the ministry of Jesus, the voice of God sounded forth, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. At his baptism, and again in the, in the, in the transfiguration, the, the audible voice of God sounded into this world saying, this is my beloved son, I am pleased with him. It, it was a testimony, the very testimony of God, of the sinlessness and the truth of Jesus. But in the end, it only resulted in the mockery that Jesus endured for us. He trusted in, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him do, rescue him for he delights in him. And we know that God did rescue Jesus. God did deliver him, but not until after he had suffered, not until after he had died. God rescued him. God delivered him even from the grave as he was raised up from the dead. Well, brothers and sisters, this is our hope as well in in our suffering. I, I can't stand here, of course, and promise you that you will not suffer in the Christian life. In fact, I can promise you the opposite that you will suffer because that's what Jesus promised to those who set out to follow him. But along with the expectation of suffering, let there be the expectation of God's faithfulness. We may feel forsaken. The world may taunt us, encouraging us to believe what we feel. But the taunt of the world is not the final word. The final word is the word of God. The final word is Christ himself. And so the first part of Psalm 22 ends with these words of faith. The Holy Spirit uh must put these words into our hearts, into our mouths, and uh and 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 bring them forth from our lips. Yet, yet, and 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 really the gospel is bound up in, in that one word, the word yet. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust uh, you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Can we hear that that once again this is a confession of faith? At, At first it may not seem to apply to every Christian. Some Christians, not all, but some cannot remember a day when they did not believe that Jesus is their Savior. Others, however, were not born into a Christian family. But every Christian is a Christian because he or she has been born again. Here is the the further evidence that David is writing out of his own experience. He indeed was born to believing parents, even from the womb even from the day that his mother was nursing him, you have been my God, says David. And yet it really does apply to every last believer throughout all redemptive history because the teaching of God's word is that even from all eternity, God has claimed his own to be his own. There are those who are not born to believing parents. There are those who come to know the truth of Christ later in life, not from birth, not even from infancy or adolescence, but later they learn, later they are born again, later they believe. And yet God's word says that God has chosen his own from all eternity, from the foundations of the earth. And so it really is the lesser thing to say from the womb at my mother's breast, you made me trust in you. And notice that it does say, you made me. You made me do it. You, you made me trust in you. And here's our comfort. That Indeed, faith is God's work in us. In the midst of suffering, all we have to do is to cry out to God in faith, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And even by the cry of faith flowing from our lips, even by the, the, the cry of faith itself, we are reminded That what we are feeling is not final. Because what we are feeling is simply not eternal. What is eternal is that God chose us. And the proof of God's eternal choice is the faith by which we cry out to God in the feeling of forsakenness. Think about that. Faith itself is the evidence of God's faithfulness to us, even in the midst of our suffering. So, when you're feeling forsaken, cry out to God, even as Christ did from the cross. And by your faith, and as you understand that God has made you to trust in Him, well, there is your comfort. In the midst of suffering. And so this first portion of Psalm 22 ends with a prayer. So we end with a prayer. And, and it needs to be our prayer. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. This really is uh, the prayer of faith. It's, it's worth noting that to this point, David has not made a single request to God it's been lament, the cry of suffering, along with the confession of faith, the cry of belief in, in God's faithfulness, even in the midst of suffering. But now the prayer. and uh, Here is the pleading request of David to God, Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. The true prayer of faith is, the, is, is really the same as what Peter said in John 6. He said, Lord... Where else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And David really gives us the same prayer in these words. There is none to help but you. All too often, our suffering drives us away from God. But that's the work of the devil and and, and the flesh. That's the stuff of unbelief. For David, his suffering drove him to God. Because where else? To whom else? Shall he turn? There is none to help but you, O God. So rather than give in to despair, let despair take us to God in prayer. And let it be clear that uh, we can, we can indeed go to God in our suffering. We can go to God in our despair exactly because we have hope in the gospel. Exactly because we, we know God. We know Him through Christ. Satan in the flesh will say, you're suffering, so don't trust Him. But God, by His Word, says, you're suffering, so make the choice of faith and trust Me. Bring your lament. Claim the faith that I have given you and seek from me, says God, that which I have promised you, my care for you, my faithfulness to you, and the blessings that you already have from me, which I have given you in Christ. The Lord willing, we'll continue through Psalm 22. But for now, that's verses 1 through 11, and let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word, we thank you for the psalms, we thank you that you give us uh, portions of your word that we can, that we can sing, and uh, that you have called us to sing. And uh, as we do so, may we seek to understand the words that we sing uh, better and better, and uh, may we... Uh, As we consider this psalm, this portion of your word, may we learn indeed that uh, our Lord Jesus uh, has suffered in our place and uh, that we can uh, find great comfort through our suffering in knowing that uh, he has gone before us in um, a far worse suffering that we, uh, because of him, will never have to endure. Oh Lord, it is a, a difficult life. And we have many disappointments and setbacks and, and much pain at times in our lives. But, O oh Lord, we just thank you that we can cry out to you and that we can confess our faith to you and that we can take hope always because you are, are our God and we are your people and, and because Christ is uh, our Savior who has suffered for us and has risen again from the dead. In his name we pray. Amen.